0: Are you becoming old or aging consciously? Concerned that your parents, this is to the younger people, uh, seem adrift during their golden years? This sermon will be the exploration of becoming a conscious elder. This is not a talk about ARP, Medicare, or advanced directives. It is about the exciting journey in the last third of life. That's how it was advertised. It has taken a few twists and turns in the process of developing, but we're still going to hit that exciting spiritual journey, mine. I'd like to thank you all for being here. And for all who have cheered me on, I really thought they might have pom-poms this morning to add to the festivities. We are so fortunate, thank you, Mary, to have such a supportive congregation. You are also very lucky that you have a worship committee presently led by Beth, who is very skillful. After several years of trying to get me to do a talk, she then very skillfully responded to a few of my comments. And before I knew it, she had me backed into a corner, (laughs) truly backed, and was already starting to help me prepare this sermon. So what could I say? And I really do thank you, Beth. It's been an adventure. To Terry and Stephanie, who at the last minute changed their plans so that you would not have to listen to me sing a cappello up here (laughs) and provided us with this music at the last minute. Thank you. I also think that we should give a round of applause to Stephanie, who has just been selected as our new director of religious education. Thank you, Stephanie. And to the young people who have come, and you'll notice there's not too many of them, (laughs) despite the topic, because I recognize, as May Sarton stated in As We Are Now, quote, the trouble is old age is not interesting until one gets there. It's a foreign country with an unknown language to the young and even to the middle-aged. So thanks. And remember, don't be afraid to give a sermon. You have lots of support here, and that is my commercial from the worship committee. I appreciate the confidence that folks have had in encouraging me to deliver this message to such a highly intelligent and diverse group of individuals. It's a challenge to stand up here because I know there is so much wisdom out there. Those of you who have known me in my previous work know indeed that I have given presentations. And according to Lee and Sarah, they were always accompanied by overheads, PowerPoints, handouts, and of course a resource table. (laughs) But this is different. I'm in a pulpit. This is a church. This is to be spiritual, perhaps even a little warm and fuzzy. And there went my anxiety. So I do have a resource table out in the foyer. (laughs) Please take a look at the books. There are some handouts of some of the things that I will be mentioning in my talk. Please take some of those handouts, and if you want to borrow a book, let me know, and I feel better. So back to church. It's time I make like a preacher. And here is my spiritual journey from aging to saging thus far. After all, I'm still rather young. And it has been a challenge for me to grow older. My aging to saging journey actually began when I turned 30. I came through with the mantra of, don't trust anybody over 30. And here I was, ready to become one of them. However, I was too busy with babies that I just kind of went on with life. But suddenly, I turned 40. Yuck. Yuck is all I can say. The depression set in. I hated the cards and all of the other things that kind of indicated there's still time, you still have time, but you're beginning to go downward. Hmm. Well... Suddenly, it was 50. Deeper, deeper depression. I think I might have been able to make the DSM criteria. It was so bad. I was considering a facelift, a tummy tuck, a body lift, whatever. I settled for cataract surgery, okay? And I moved on, although I could now see that the body was failing even more associated with, you're laughing, this is serious. (laughs) But I guess I am striking a familiar chord. Because associated with these birthdays in our culture, because not every culture responds this way, and that's another whole talk, where words like ancient, out of date, broken down, impaired, enfeebled, Obsolete, long in years, exhausted, like a creaky fossil, and, of course, the classic one, over the hill. Well, who wants any of this, right? Just pause for a moment here. Think about all of the ways our particular culture treats and provides for Old people were not exactly revered. I think it's changing, though. And I'm counting on all those baby boomers. I figure they're going to be changing this scene. And so the words such as mature, seasoned, experienced, stately... Honorable, established, veteran, one of my favorites, venerable, legendary, and of course, sage will become the new vocabulary when we talk of older people. It will also change how we view, how we treat, and our perception. Of growing older. Well, during this tumultuous time period of mine, I was assuming increasing responsibility for my strong, independent parents who were changing on every visit to New Jersey. Despite the challenges, there were many good times during this period about which I now have greater understanding and I frequently apologize for my lack of insight, and hope that they can hear me wherever they may be. My my visits were evolving and sometimes I just thought, good grief, what is wrong with them? Where are my real parents? My father, a successful independent businessman, despite only having an eighth-grade education, made many good decisions. But suddenly, it was tough to get him to decide where we were going to go for dinner. My agenda was fast-paced. I was zooming up to New Jersey to take care of things and then zooming back to all of my life. Come on, Dad. My parents had physically slowed down, and they had begun to focus more on internal issues. This difference in our what they call age-based agendas is classic and a source of great conflict. They were experiencing the lack of urgency that comes with a deeper appreciation of living My father, when he let me drive, had me driving all over the countryside, down his very own memory lane. I wish I had recorded those conversations and would encourage you to do so. He was telling me the same old stories as when he was a boy over and over And then my mother would repeat her stories over and over. I was concerned they were really losing it. That was my perception. This was not the communication we usually had. I did not know that this is a valuable part of what is known as the sorting process, the part at which we take an overall review of our lives, what their communication patterns were, and what they wanted to do was absolutely normal. Normal. They were not losing it. I didn't know all of that then. So, being a good caretaker, I was really concerned. So, what did I do? I went out and I bought books. Uh, Books, and some of them are on the resource table, and I gave them to them to read. (laughs) I thought they needed to understand this process. I needed to be the one reading them. I needed to let go of my own arrogance of youth. I did not fully understand where they were. In the midst of this, there were constant discussions about the division of their property, et cetera, et cetera, when they died, and that they hoped it would not cause a problem, this legacy issue. And another communication pattern, repetition, a common phenomena, but it's built into this stage of life to help people again sort through life facts Now, I could go on and on, because I, too, am falling into this pattern, okay? (laughs) But these are linked with specific developmental tasks. When I was reading all of that, I thought, developmental tasks? I was done with developmental tasks when I went through menopause. That was it. That was the end. But no, it continues, things that we need to do for successful living. Life review and making sense of one's own life. The knowledge of the beauty of the details in the whole landscape of life. The confidence from life experiences that things really do work out, despite all of our stressing. In his book, How to Say It to Seniors by David Soley, these are outlined and how to make the communication improved. Suddenly, I had suggestions. I wish that I had had them in the past for my parents. But there is that would've, could've, should've that also comes as part of the aging process and also means that we have to let go of that once more. However, I will just say this. I am buying copies for each of my daughters, and I'm going to watch for revisions of this edition for my grandchildren. I want them to be better prepared to deal with me. Just as it is in the other developmental stages, bridging this communication gap between generations is critical, and we actually have a great deal more to learn about the differences in an elder's communication. And just think, I'm just talking about verbal communication. I'm not even going into all that technology has provided us and the gaps that that is causing and needs to be addressed. With my parents, I continued to watch and helped as they experienced what I call the losses. Now, there are some writers who like to pretend that we can be positive, we can overcome, and not experience the losses. I happen to disagree. I degree, I believe very strongly that the losses are real. The losses are painful. But that you also can get stuck in the losses and fail to grow and fail to experience the joy and radiance of your elder years. Losses. One. Those taking notes. Number one. Got that? Okay. Okay. The loss of physical strength. Now, this is something that you really cannot comprehend till probably your late 60s. Up until then, your energy just kind of keeps bubbling forward and you seem to have a well of energy. And suddenly, that well seems a little drier. You don't have as much energy, and it definitely doesn't come back as fast when you've really expended a lot of energy. So you have the loss of physical strength. You have the loss of health. Much of my parents' social schedule revolved around doctors' appointments and tests, and I'd get frustrated. Is that what you're doing today? But ah, yes, that is a reality. I only now personally have a vague memory of when the only appointments I had was the dentist and the gynecologist. They've been joined by many others. The loss of your peer group, this is part of the fabric of your life, and it begins to change. And there is nothing that can replace friendships and relationships with relatives that have been a lifetime. So the challenge is there for the development of new ones, but it is a loss. For the loss of identity, retirement has many pluses. But who are you when you are no longer the CEO, the teacher, the politician, whatever you were? Who are you? You will note, folks, I have not retired. I can't quite deal with this one yet. Okay. But it's the challenge to find what is your role now. Five, the loss of consultive authority. I like that. Isn't that a fancy term? The loss of consultive authority. I, I, took, I had to read further to figure out what did they mean. It means that you're no longer seen as the fount of wisdom and knowledge. The bottom line is our culture does not provide for moments or expectations of their elders. The casual sitting around the kitchen table and the sharing between generations in many areas of our culture is gone. Let's add to it the smartphone. Why would my daughters ask me, the former maternal and child health nurse, about how to raise their babies when they can go zip-zip on their smartphone and have the latest research? So this is another loss of what's happening. The loss of physical space. The message to us is go someplace, seniors, go someplace. Go to over 55 housing, go to assisted living, just go someplace special for you. Well, in a way, they do have a point, because if you look around our communities, they are not set up for older people to be nourished, to thrive, and be healthy. Our geographical changes also mean there is a separation from family members and even between those generations. Number seven, the loss of financial independence. How long will the money last? Will I be a bag lady? Will my kids have to take care of me? I don't really want to talk to my kids about money. I need to. So you wonder why, young people in here, we might be a little cranky at times. These are a lot of losses. This is a lot to think about and process in addition to the life review and getting our spiritual lives in place and, oh yeah, preparing for death. No wonder we have to retire. It's a lot of work to do. It also explains why I and many others do not want to talk about aging or death. It's not going to happen. Nope, none of it. Okay. I don't know how my parents really met their death. Did they really accept it? Did they believe in eternity? I'm going to change that. I'm going to find those answers as a sage, and I'm going to be able to share that with my children. Well anyway, in a blink of an eye, and I can see the blink of the clock here I came to my 60th birthday. <laughs> I was at work, of course. I'm a good, bona fide, certified workaholic. And I walked into the room. The friends said, "Come on down here, we have a meeting." And there were all these people yelling surprise and waving these crazy things and I thought, oh no, they're celebrating my 60th birthday. I cannot deal with this. I do not want these crazy jokes. Well, at last they weren't celebrating my birthday. They didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they I'm sure they never would have guessed I was 60 either because that was another secret that I wanted to keep. They were celebrating for me another important transition in my life. I was becoming a grandmother. And so, indeed, this was a becoming a grandmother party. It just happened, truly, on my 60th birthday. Being a grandmother, though, is another major life transition. And, indeed, it's one of the most blessings of being uh, an elder to have had that experience. And I'll see you later and tell you how wonderful those kids are. Okay. And then I chanced upon a book by the rabbi that did the invocation. It was called the same as this sermon topic, From Aging to Saging, and in it were different topics. I hadn't heard these things before. The vision of spiritual eldering, the art of life completion, tools for harvesting life, the eternity factor, the conscious transit at death. And I said, oh, wow, that's pretty interesting. Also talked about something called Saging Circles. Well, I thought the good thing was, well, I would go. Again, my thinking, I'm going to go get certified and be a saging leader. That'll take care of all of this. Well, I did. And I do believe that uh, 12 weeks of uh, being with other folks learning how to be sages is a very useful project. And I'd encourage you to look at the handbook out there. And if you're interested, you can sign up for it. But you know, I was really too young for all of that. <laughs> so I left the book all of those books, sitting and collecting more dust. However, as I continued, I had a healthy discussion with my firstborn. Some might call it a fight. In the midst of this, she screams, you are not adjusting to aging, and you are afraid of dying. Oh, oh, oh. Well, maybe she's right, because I really hadn't thought about those things, really, for me. So I did again what any good Unitarian, I was in the process of thinking about again being a Unitarian. And I signed up for a retreat on conscious eldering, a whole week. And you heard Medell explain about Vision Quest. Well, my husband had tried to get me to go on one of those, those Native American things. No, no, no. But I went to conscious eldering, and they made me not talk for 48 hours and sit by myself in the middle of nowhere. It also, at the beginning, when they asked, why were you here, I was all prepared to say something about, well, I want to get more comfortable with my aging process. And from somewhere, I have nowhere, I blurted out, I want to find God. I thought, oh, gracious, where in the world did that come? And that was the beginning of this extraordinary week, a week that I really can't fully explain, a week, though, that had something that I think, other than a Native American and some other cultures, is missing in ours, and that is a transition to being an elder. A specific ceremony was held and I became an elder. This was a very positive experience, but it took, as Madel said, it took time being alone, time to just be, because in that 48 hours, I couldn't journal, I couldn't read, I couldn't do anything but sit with myself. So obvious, but alas, it's something that we don't do. Some consider that the body slows down as part of this process so that we will sit and think. Some people think that we're sitting there and we're dwelling on our fear of death, and that definitely is in the mind, but it's also dwelling on, was my life really what I wanted it to be? There are things throughout this process That need to be let go, just as the 12-step programs say, let go and let God. You need to let go. And recently when I went for a booster one-day workshop, they said you also have to forgive. And I thought, I really don't have anything to forgive. I really have been blessed. I have had a wonderful life with little pain and no real trauma. So what did I have to forgive? Well, again, I had to sit and think, sit and think, sit and think, sit and think. And lo and behold, I realized I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive myself that I just couldn't be, as that old song said, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my soul. I just really could not be a Christian. It was not in my heart, in my soul. And I forgave myself for not measuring up to being a Christian. I'm really a Unitarian Universalist. And that moment of forgiveness said, I really, really am. And now my name is even on the marquee out there. So it's public, okay? All right. I need to move on. I see the time is is slipping by, and I didn't think I'd have enough time. So I just want to leave you again with now. We've come through this process. What am I saying is different for saging? You've heard the tasks that have to be worked on. So what what is saging then? I believe that indeed it means that you actively pursue these developmental tasks. You face them head on. You do the work. The thinking. The forgiving on and on. You share this with younger individuals. I was a role model as a mother. I tried to be. I tried to be a good citizen and a good Girl Scout leader. I wanted my daughters to see this role model. Now my challenge is to be a role model of what really is positive aging. And I hope not in the near future, but eventually positive dying. I want to be that role model. I want to be comfortable and fully accept how I have lived my life and what it has done. That's what a sage does. All of this takes time and effort. It's a process in which you have to envision a model for growing older. You cherish each year of your life experience. You affirm that our elder years are a time of continued growth growth, not just sitting and not thinking, growth. You realize your potential, you reap the harvest of a lifetime, and you share your elder wisdom because indeed you have gained wisdom. And in this, you help restore the health to your life and to those who you love and your overall community. Now, I'm not like, gee, and they're sitting right back there. I'm not like the journaling group who can write profound poetry. And I'm not like our published poet, Carol, who even gets it published. I'm I'm a poetic dud. So I found this poem written by someone on one of those conscious retreats that really explained my process and also what it means to be an elder slash sage. It's written by Kathy Carmody. Leaving behind my journey of struggling and racing through the white water of many rivers, I become the river, creating my own unique way. Leaving behind my self-imposed role as a tree upon which others have leaned, I now become the wind with the freedom to blow whenever and wherever I choose. Leaving behind the boxes I've created in my life crammed with roles, responsibilities, rules, and fears, I become the wild and unpredictable space within which flowers sprout and grow. Leaving behind the years of yearning for others to see me as somebody, I soften into becoming my future with permission from self to continually unfold as I choose without concern for how others may see me. Leaving behind years of telling and teaching, I become instead a mirror into which others can peer and view reflections of themselves to consider. Leaving behind the urge to provide answers for others, I become, in the silence of this forest retreat, the questions. Leaving behind the rigor of my intellect, I become a single candle in the darkness, offering myself As a beacon for others to create their own path, I become an elder. Thank you for listening to my spiritual journey from aging to saging thus far. And as we looked in the meditation about our light, and what I hope you see is the light and saging. I want you to join me in our final hymn, This Little Light of Mine.